0: You are listening to the Content Academy podcast, where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Hello, and you're very welcome to the Content Academy podcast. I'm Phil McGrath, and I am joined by a uh, slightly red Paul Caffrey,
1: An extremely red and extremely sore Paul Caffrey. yes.
0: <laughs> um, a a heatwave struck, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a little bit too much. Yeah, so if you want to see what Paul enjoying the sun looks like, check out our Instagram uh, account with Paul playing football on the beach. And oh, that was that was before I wasn't I was
1: good, Nick. Then it
0: was afterwards when things went. That's downhill. what I mean. But that's when you got it. He certainly was. God. But uh, listen, you're soldiering on. You're still here with us today, which uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it, and as do our listeners, I'm sure. Pleasure to be here, Phil. Yeah. And uh Salma Jaffrey is our guest today. She is a content marketing strategist, speaker and trainer. And she's uh, the host of a video blog which basically gives her content marketing tips for entrepreneurs to help them authentically promote their business using content marketing. So certainly Paul, she's a perfect fit for us here on the show today.
1: Um yeah, she is. Um a lot of interest and insight. I mean from The the show itself, we talk a bit about YouTube and, and how to use that as a platform. And interestingly enough, uh, you know, uh, Salma she decides to use that as her pr- primary platform and then not repurposes but upcycles that content into m- various different forms and also speaks about syndicating it as well. So I uh, won't get into too much detail on that just now. The podcast explains it exceptionally, but really what it does show you is that if you create one quality piece of content you know salma really gets that piece of content to work for her
0: yeah and as people will know regular listeners i am a huge fan of that i don't think i can emphasize the huge any more than i just did but that's how much i believe in it if you spend the time to create that content squeeze it for everything it's worth <sighs> but yeah listen there's so much in this one especially around uh upcycling your content as a uh, as Salma says and then also about syndication and also what a process in terms of creating those videos is like quite interesting to see how she does her videos and the kind of kit that she uses and then we talk a bit about periscoping and various other bits and bobs. but I tell you what we'll throw the doors open we'll welcome Salma in and we'll chat to you at the end of the show. Yes so as I said we have Salma Jaffrey on the line from salmajaffrey.com how the hell are you Salma?
2: I'm really really great and excited to be here. Thanks Um, for having me guys.
0: Oh we're excited to have you on the show. I know this is something we've been trying to get up and going for a little bit so we're delighted to eventually get our calendars cross-checked and get you on the show.
2: Absolutely, across time zones and all sorts of hurdles.
0: This is it, this is it indeed. I suppose before we jump into the nuts and bolts of today's show you might just give our audience a little bit of background on yourself, so where you started and what you're up to at the moment.
2: Oh, okay. Awesome. So I actually have a degree in marketing, which didn't teach me anything about marketing. Um, and yeah, so um, I graduated from university and then I took a couple of jobs in marketing and I, and I hated traditional marketing, right? I mean, literally I would skip ads on TV. I never liked to watch advertising. I was like, I hated people interrupting me. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. Right? And then finally, um, I think this was around 2005, um, when I was working in an e-learning company. Um, and so we were making all these courses, and so I went online to you know, figure out how to do rapid prototyping and making e-learning courses and all of that, and I found this blog. It was run by a company called Articulate. And Articulate ran this blog called The Rapid E-Learning Blog. And I started following the blog and I learned lots of tricks and it really helped me in my work. And, um, you know, I eventually, uh, you know, sort of told my company about this product that, okay, so this is a product. It can help us develop courses faster. And how about we give it a try? And it was all because of that blog that I was even turned on to that product. And I was such a fan. And then um, two years later, and this was in 2007, so like really, really long time ago, mm. um, in 2007, I came across a post um, on Copy Blogger actually, and that post talked about how they managed the Articulate blog to get so many subscribers and such high engagement rates and everything, and I was like, what? It was like a strategy. They targeted me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just blown away by the fact that that blog was like, um, you know, down to the minutiae. It was targeting me as an instructional designer, as somebody working in the online e-learning industry. And it was meant to get me to trust this company so that eventually I would buy from them. And that's what got me into content marketing. I was like, this is bloody brilliant. You know, you can actually do this. You can actually like educate and inform and entertain people and they're going to love you for it and they're going to buy your products. I was like, this is the kind of marketing that I want to do. So yeah.
1: <laughs> I like that. It's a real, you know, you just seen in the matrix type moment there. Um, <laughs> I suppose if we fast yeah. forward on, um, at the moment you're producing a lot of a lot of video content just want to maybe share uh, your processes for going along and doing that
2: yeah so I tried a lot of different things for a lot of years and uh, in my so I'm I'm like doing all this work with clients and everything but my own business is suffering right and as usual we business owners we just don't get time to concentrate on our own content creation process and so so here's the thing, right? I kind of always wanted to be like a rock star. Um, my husband got the gig. So he's like a bass guitarist in a rock band. And I was like, that's not fair. I'm the one who had all these rock star aspirations. <laughs> so you know, what do I do? And, and then I thought to myself, you know, I don't need a TV uh, you know, channel to pick me up. Or, or I don't need a TV show. I can be the media myself, right? And that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going on YouTube. I'm going on YouTube and I am going to, you know, just hit it out of the park on YouTube. And so um, I started making these videos actually just last year, um, April 2015. And uh, it's been so much fun. Uh, The first 20 videos or so were really bad. Um, I don't think I shared them with anyone. They were total crap. So, (laughs) but, you know, eventually I got the hang of the process. And so now I make YouTube videos.
0: So in terms of the content that you're you're putting out on your YouTube channel, um yeah. how do you go about your 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 kind of thought process for what you're going to put out, or is it a case that every blog you put out gets its own video, or how does that work?
2: Yeah, so here's the thing, right? So I am I'm really lazy, and I don't like to and work honestly. really hard. <laughs> <laughs> So I I sort of prescribed to this work smarter not harder philosophy and the other thing that I realized was that my audience and a lot of us out there uh, you know consuming content were overwhelmed like there's so much out there right and there's so much stuff to to see and read and watch and you know hear and so if I'm going to be doing this it's got to be really really good and so if I'm creating content every day then Maybe the quality might suffer. So I decided early on that I am going to create Epic once a week. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to focus all my effort on doing this one video. And then I'm, I'm sort of like a big repurposing fan, like huge, huge. I even I even renamed it. I call it upcycling. Okay, so I take my videos. And I upcycle them in all sorts of different formats, right? So it gets converted into a blog post. It gets converted into a a podcast. It gets converted into these, you know, little uh, mini Instagram posts. It gets converted sometimes into a slide share if it's appropriate for that. And, you know, obviously it depends if the content is appropriate for a specific channel or not. Not everything gets repurposed, but I like to break that video up. Um, Look at it from different angles, apply it to different audiences and make these mini content pieces, you know, arise from it. So that's my strategy.
0: I absolutely agree with you 100% and regular listeners to the show will know how much of a fan I am of repurposing content that if you're gonna spend the time doing the work, you might as well get the most advantage you can from it. So I'm gonna dig straight into there because I wanna pick your brains on your upcycling efforts as you call it. So you've taken the time to create your video, talk me through doing that in terms of your setup with your camera, are you using green screens or how are you doing that?
2: So I'm really lucky in that my husband's a really good uh, you know, video production guy. So I've kind of roped him into my project, but I also can edit my videos myself. So what we do is we have a green screen, like literally in my home office. So it's a very, uh, you know, homey (laughs) and very comfortable setup. So I literally, I write four scripts a month. And um, the reason that I write those scripts is because I intend to turn them into a blog post, but I rarely um, look at my script when I'm actually making the video, Mm, you know. Um, Because, I mean, I don't wanna come across as scripted, and I don't wanna come across as reading off of a screen, so I don't use any teleprompters or anything. So we use uh, use a Canon, and you'll forgive me if I don't know the exact make of the camera. Maybe I can send that to you later. Um, not overly
1: important.
2: Yeah, okay, we use a Zoom H4n mic and a collar mic for recording. And uh, uh, we use three umbrella lights and a green screen as, and as much natural lighting as is possible during the day. And so that's essentially my setup. And and we have to have a babysitter at that time for the kids so I can record in peace because there have been a few videos in which the kids have walked in mid-video and like clutched my legs. and I'm like, <laughs> okay, let me just pretend that didn't happen. I just continued recording. <laughs> But it's fun, it's something that I get to do with my husband, it's fun, and then we edit. Um, So we've used a a few different softwares for editing. We started with Final Pro, but right now we're using Adobe Premiere CC for editing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, yeah, so we've got like tweetables in there, we've got outtakes in there, we have this little intro, um, and, and you know, an interesting thing about YouTube videos is that their analytics are so good that you can actually uh, sort of tweak your video based on how people are reacting in real time. And so my first few videos, I found that uh, my drop-off rate uh, in terms of audience retention was around two minutes. And I was like, wait, that is really bad, you know? So what am I not doing right in those two minutes? And I realized that those two minutes were my intro and title sequence and everything. And so I changed that up. So now I start with a question and I let them know, I let my audience know exactly what they're going to get in each video, like what answer, what are we going to talk about? Hmm. And so I start with the problem and then the intro, the, the title sequence, and then we get into the meat of it. And
0: well, that's really interesting. And I'm, it, it's impressive as well that you've been able to look at, use the, st- st- easy for me to say, statistics available. Whew. and uh, and then analyze what what that's doing for you and how you can change that to, to kind of solve your drop-off problem and um, it, it's really good because a lot of people kind of just once they start publishing whether it's a blog post a video a podcast they stick to that same method because that's what they're comfortable with and that's what they do without really understanding how it's affecting their audience and certainly you you obviously have taken the time to look at that and analyze it and then use that to your advantage so I don't know if you'll know the answer to this but in terms of your drop-off right now since you've made that change um, how significant has yeah. it been
2: it's been um, a lot significant oh. so it's above four and a half minutes now and my videos are typically five to seven minutes in length so you know from going from two minutes to four and a half has been a pretty big jump
0: absolutely it most certainly is so I mean once you've got your video there and it's made um, and edited you're you're repurposing um techniques then in terms of getting it out how do you go about that
2: so i go on canva which is this great uh free image editing software yeah sure big heard of big,
0: big fan of canva
2: <laughs> so i take a i take a video still right i i pause the video in some stupid funny whatever weird moment and <laughs> there's I nothing worse than when you
0: still. do that you <laughs> you end up making the stupidest faces ever. Paul, do you remember we did some videos um, and we were we were absolutely. we were editing
2: and Yeah, yeah and absolutely. if and if anyone's hearing this, you know, YouTube thumbnails are so important to getting someone to click on your video, right? So yeah. the more interesting you can make your thumbnail, go for it. I mean if you look crazy, stupid, jokey, whatever, I mean, so put your ego aside and go for it, right? Oh, I agree with so, you. <laughs> <laughs> so I do that, so I take a video still, I put it in Canva, I have a template, and then I add, um, so so I use two titles, right? So one is this title for YouTube, which is for search, which is very straightforward, so if I'm talking about whatever topic, like my last one was how to choose a social network, so that's what I'm gonna put in you know, the YouTube title, right? Mm-hmm. But on my thumbnail, I'll usually go with a more fun, more playful title. So for my last one, I had like, let's get social, baby, you know? And I was like, okay, that, it works. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, and so I put that thumbnail um, up for you. So I make it in Canva, then I put it up on YouTube, and then I use that same thumbnail uh, a couple of times on Twitter, um, and uh, once on Instagram, just once on Instagram and then I pull out tweets from my from sorry. So let me let me let me do the blog post first. Yeah, so yeah. I have a script, right? So I've written a script, but it's usually very colloquial and very conversational. So then what I do is I try and add a little bit more, you know, grammar and sentence structure and subheadings to that and convert it into a blog post which I put up on my website along with the embedded video. Excellent. And the reason that I do that Yeah. The reason that I do that is because I really believe in the fact that people like to consume information in different formats. Um, One person might love watching videos and another person might just want to skim headlines really quickly, you know, and another person might just want to listen to the audio only. And so I really want to cater to people's different learning styles. And adapt my content as I go, and so the the blog post is for those who just want skimmable, scannable content really really quickly and uh, Then I pluck you know maybe two maybe three tweets out of that, and then those are you know uh, recycled on buffer and on on you know using buffer on twitter mm. and uh, then I typically make a code card with them for Instagram and i'm starting to get into periscope as well i i'm loving periscope so far so i just simply take the same topic but when i talk about it on periscope um it's so much more fun because everyone's interacting and asking questions and giving their comments and adding more value to the topic itself and in the future i think what i want to do is you know somehow integrate my audience's comments into the video. I don't know how I'm gonna do that, but I really wanna try.
0: Yeah, what's really interesting, we we, uh, had recently done a 30-day blogging challenge, uh, myself and Paul, where we both undertook a blog a day for 30 days um, and every blog that we did, we also did a Periscope for. Um, And it was really interesting to be able to get on Periscope every day after we finished creating our content or after it was published and then speaking about the content and seeing the feedback we were getting, which not only is great from a point of view to see that your content resonates with your audience, but also maybe points that you've missed that your audience are asking questions about. So it can kind of lead to maybe you redoing the, the content or upgrading it slightly or else leading to a second in a in a series of blog posts or even a third, depending on how many questions are raised.
2: Absolutely, and I think I might prefer to your expertise on that once I get to that stage.
0: You know what, it's it's just the case, and this is the funny thing, I uh, we speak to a lot of people about about what they do, and, and clients of ours, obviously, that we have, and we talk about live video, and they're kind of saying, okay, well, I, what do I need? I have to have this, and I need this, and I have to make sure I have my list made out, and everything else, I'm like, nah. oh. Tell you what, how about you just <laughs> open it up, have a couple of bullet points you want to cover, and just get on there, just go in, just jump straight in and yeah. do it. It's not going to be brilliant, but it's not going to be terrible and once you're providing yeah, value absolutely. once you provide value, okay. people don't care
2: yeah you know you, yeah, can, you can have right. you, I you, used to be, yeah no i'm just I'm, I'm just like struggling to get this out there because it's so important I used to be like, no, I need to have makeup on my hair needs to be perfect I need to be wearing the right clothes or they're not clashing, I need to have my like URLs written up and you know prior oh that's still a good practice um, yeah. but yeah I mean there were there was like a whole list of you know, prep items. And then one day on a Sunday morning, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. No makeup, no, you know, no prep, nothing. I just got on there and there were like about, I don't know, 30, 40 people who joined in. It was fantastic. It was like, oh my God. And And how many of them
0: commented on how you looked? (laughs)
2: <laughs> nobody comments. exactly that's the point that
0: sorry that's the point i'm trying to make nobody nobody comments you know um i can't recall i don't know if you might be able to remember better than i will who the guest was but said unless you're marie ferlio no one cares what you look like
1: <laughs> yeah i don't i'm not too sure i don't want to give uh you've give, someone but um but yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, a that's, a like that's the point, point. periscope uh, the key of, the key thing with periscope is actually just like anything just doing a few of them you know and um, the first couple are always a little bit kind of oh scary or people are gonna come on and slag and actually Phil, your your first Periscope was hilarious because you were on it and I, I was watching it and I saw your face react kind of funny and I was like, I wonder what that was. Um and then afterwards you were saying somebody just said something abusive, so you blocked them. But again, <laughs> yeah. I get a little bit of that.
0: That's fine. <laughs> yeah. block, the yeah. first the first comment the first comment I ever got on Periscope was just some dude popped up and just went, Fuck off. <laughs> I was like, What the fuck? seriously come on (laughs) i'm trying here so he got blocked and i haven't had any more since but yeah um but no i know it's just like getting stuck in and go at it
2: yeah if i had to give anyone like starter advice on periscope i'd be like learn how to block people like in advance so when you actually have to do it it's easier because you're not like panicking okay what do i press (laughs) yeah you're not fumbling (laughs) around just like practice that yeah that's the only thing you should practice beforehand (laughs) Mm.
0: So I mean obviously you 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 this is something now you're you're trying to incorporate and um, which I really like the idea of but you've kind of created so, um, a process yeah. um for yeah. going through so can we
2: can we can we talk about this this uh, this thing um um it's it's really maligned in our industry right this topic and the topic is syndication and I thought I feel that it's a term that's sort of maligned in our industry because everyone's like if you syndicate your your posts then you're going to lose SEO juice, you're going to lose website credibility, you're going to, you know, not have traffic coming to your website and so on. And so, so I kind of feel a little bit differently about syndication. And I think that visibility and, you know, getting your name out there and getting, you know, your message, whatever it is that you're trying to do, whoever it is that you're trying to help, out there to as many people as possible is really more important um, than SEO right off the bat. You know, I mean, maybe there's going to be a time for focus on SEO and all of that. But I'm syndicated, like my my videos are syndicated on Entrepreneur. Um, They have a YouTube channel as well as they're syndicated on entrepreneur.com. Mm -hmm. Um, my videos are also syndicated on Huffington post and so are my blog posts Um, they are also syndicated on uh, business to community.com and from there on they get picked up by all these other places like the other day I was getting traffic from Fox News and I was like what I didn't put anything up there Um, so Fox News picked up something from entrepreneur and then you know other big publications start to pick up your posts, and suddenly I have traffic spikes happening and I have, you know, YouTube subscribers increasing and I have email subscribers increasing and everything. And it's all good, right? Because it's reaching the people that it's meant to reach. And so um, I remember we were having this debate with Rand Fishkin and Dermeshaw on inbound.org and they are talking about repurposing and, recent, and sort of syndicating your stuff on Medium. Mm. And Medium's, I mean, Medium is a fantastic place, but not every post works there.
1: Yeah. And so yeah. you've got
2: to be really careful. Um, you need to have a really good story to tell. So your corporate blog post on Medium is going to do jack for you. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> not.
0: It, and it is. Medium really is. It, it's if above anything else. It's almost a storytelling platform It's probably the exactly. best way to describe it for someone who hasn't used it.
2: Yeah. So so sometimes I, I syndicate on on Medium and, and I also want and for us, sometimes it's so I pick and choose, you know, where for what. But I'm finding a lot success with syndication, and so I just wanted to put this out there that I love syndication.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I I agree with you. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, we we've uh, in fact our last two yes. podcast guests we've spoke to about stuff like that about getting featured on on some big publications.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think what's also interesting is that's the first thirty. I suppose in the first thirty, last thirty podcasts we've done. um, You know, this topic has only really come up twice. You know, Mm. and even I suppose previous guests were more talking about. You know. Putting the odd piece of content into syndication, not putting all their content in. So, um, that is certainly uh, a fairly unique strategy. So, um, we'll have to look into that
0: a bit more. I think, Phil. Absolutely, Paul. After after the last couple of conversations, I think me and you have some serious discussions we need to have. So, so here's the
2: thing: when you do syndicate, there there's just one really important factor that you have to put in like so if you're going to put in all this effort to have your content you know spread as far as possible you really want to have something that will bring people back to your home base right so you really want to be able to give them something in the content maybe a really great link to the content or your bio you know something that you are offering for free, whatever your optimist perhaps or whatever, you know, just something that they will have to come back to see you on your home turf. And I find that that works really well for increasing subscribers. And so far it's been working really, really great for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's something um uh, Rosella Lefevre po- pointed out when we spoke to her just two episodes ago, yeah. Paul, now, well, two episodes at the time of recording this. So it would have been episode 27. Um, and she was saying that, that was a big thing she learned, that she initially she didn't have her bio in her articles that were going out on the Huffington Post, and they were picked up somewhere else, oh, but she got no credit oh, for the them whatsoever.
2: Yeah, no, no, you've got to have your links pointing back, at least one link. I mean, you don't want to be spammy, but one or two links are, are definitely um, a good practice.
1: And uh, I suppose with that now, um, would you actually link directly to a lead magnet? Uh, is that something that can be done, or is that a step too far when it comes to syndication?
2: When you are, you know, syndicating on the Huffington Post or anywhere else, really, you just need a one-liner at the end, um, if possible, if the if the publication allows. And my thing at the end of Huffington Post just simply states that if you enjoyed this post, here's how you can download my free ebook, and then the link at the end, and that's it. And um, you know, for other sites like business to community, they have this little blurb at the end where they actually put a, a canonical tab uh, for you know SEO purposes, and they say that this post was first published on you know your website and, and the link to your website. And so, I mean, problem solved, right?
0: Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: Excellent So Google knows that that's syndicated, and yours is the original.
0: Yeah, obviously, and that's the big problem is that Google doesn't know where it originally appeared and could give the SEO credit, I suppose, somewhere else. So you kind of want to make sure of that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we have our videos up now. We're syndicating our content. I have to ask you about your promotion strategy. Given your background in marketing, what does that look like for you?
2: So my first promotion strategy is going into Facebook groups where my ideal customers are hanging out and starting conversations around various topics, which are, you know, related to whatever I'm publishing or whatever I'm thinking. And it's usually story-based and it's usually, you know, something that will get people talking. Hmm. And so that's strategy number one. Right. And then the second strategy is the syndication. So that's everywhere. So that's more distribution. And then the third strategy is answering comments. So I answer every single comment on every single network wherever my work appears. And I find that reaching across to people on wherever they may be, whichever website or portal or social media network that they might be on, and just engaging with them over there, helps them to come back to wherever my content is it helps them to come back to my youtube channel to my website and i get so many uh comments saying that i saw you on entrepreneur i saw you on huffington and so i came to check your youtube channel out and so that's primarily what's working for me in terms of promotion
0: excellent so it's it is promotion but not in the sense that it's not all reliant on social media which i really love because as we all know the social media platforms own everything there. If they decide to pull the plug, you're kind of you you've lost. So I mean, having a strategy that can drive traffic that's not reliant on on the social media platforms is a fantastic way of getting traffic back to your site.
2: Yep, yep, and it's working really well so far. I mean, people really like the fact that the video creator or the blog post writer is you know taking the time to respond to them. And sometimes I have really, really long responses to like specific questions. And, and I'm so small, right, so I can do that. <laughs> but I hope to be able to continue that. Yeah, well,
0: you know what, it's funny you say that because we, um, well, while we were doing our 30-day blogging challenge, one of the, the uh, articles that I wrote about was about giving your, your uh, social media followers the personal touch. And that while you are in the phase of growing, what you are a disadvantage to some of the larger companies obviously because of the resources they have but the advantage you have is that you're not going to be gaining that many social media followers day on day so you can take the time to have a look at them and reply to them and talk to them whereas some of the bigger companies just don't have the bandwidth to be able to do that due to the large numbers coming in so i like that again because it's about recognizing that yes it's small but because it's small i can do more than those who have the big numbers
1: Yeah, and one thing I actually really like about that is as well, sorry to to jump in, is uh, on Instagram. I mean, I've noticed, I mean, Phil popping out a few personal videos, you know, thanking a person by name for following uh, and then having a little message. Uh, And that's something you can't fake, whereas maybe you can automate hello at Twitter handle, thanks for the follow. That's not really what we're (laughs) talking about. It's more kind of a genuine interaction because at the end of the day, people, like, they, they, they won't respond to an automated message, however, a conversation starter, that, that's a different thing.
0: Yeah, and I'd urge anyone out there listening to try that, that it, when you get a new follower, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, well, I'm not too sure about Facebook, but certainly Instagram and Twitter have the capacity where you can follow them back and send them a a personal video to them. Take time to look at their profile see what their business is about or what they're about and just dropped him a, a video to saying, hey thank you very much for following us really appreciate it i'd love to know more about what you do and how perhaps i can help you out hit me a video back and give me a little bit of background or a bit of context on you and you'll be surprised the amount of engagement that builds straight out the gate that and that will endear them to you as well because they realize that you have taken the time. It's not a pre-recorded video because you obviously named them or, or their business or whatever their Twitter handle or Instagram handle is if you don't have a name available. So they realize that you've taken the time to record that from them. And that can do wonders for your brand.
2: Absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of Kevin Kelly's post on 1000 True Fans. Yes. Um, and yeah, and I really, really believe that you know your first one thousand fans. Just you know, give them all the love you've got. I'll nurture them, respect them, answer them, give them attention, respect them, and they are going to build your next ten thousand fans for you. Yeah, you just this, need to you just need to pay attention to those. People. Yeah, this, the first few so, people. Yeah. That's the conversation we've had. That's the
0: conversation we've had with uh, some of our clients. Is you know oh, I want how do I get more? I want more. I'm looking for more. Okay, no, great. How no. would how would you focus on what like you have? In
2: a game. yeah. That's the problem. Focus, they... focus on the people you have. Yes. And you know those early adopters. They're following you when you're not famous. They're following you when you haven't made it. They they must really like you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, th- show them some love.
0: Absolutely, and so, that's yeah. it. It's, it's focus. You know, build a reputation as someone who focuses on the followers they have, not the followers they don't have. And that's 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 what I tell clients, and I I, I thoroughly believe it, and that's why we do what we do um but that's fantastic let's t- keep it ticking on because i know we're getting tight on time sama and i'm conscious of that so i'm gonna break out the big gun that paul gives out to me about when we get, okay. get when we get guests on the show and what happens is we okay. get through the podcast we've had a great time we've had a good chat and i always pull this question out of the bag at the end and he gives out to me for it but i'm going to continue to do it anyway because i love it if i take you back Uh-oh. if i take you back to when you started to where you are now what is the one biggest lesson you've learned that you just wish you knew when you started?
2: Get over yourself. <laughs> oh, boom. <Bill>, love it. <laughs>
0: I <laughs> there you go. Tell Simple you to the mind. point. There you
2: go. <laughs> get over yourself. You're not that important. Just, you know, serve people. Sure. Just go out there and help people. Stop thinking about, oh, I need to have X number of subscribers before I can do this, or I need to have X number of Twitter followers before I can, you know, say what I really want to say. Just, and and I remember I, I put this up on Twitter that, um you know, have the conversations that you want to have, and just just put yourself out there. And so, I think it's just like get over yourself get over your ego and go and help people you know you can just do it
0: I absolutely love that and I think we will wrap it there I think it's a great note to finish the show on but before I let you leave Sama, you might just let our audience know where they can get a hold of you on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else you want to send them so that they can drop you a message and say thank you very much for the value you brought today
2: uh, so I'm pretty much uh, everywhere, but the channels that I love the most are uh, YouTube, Twitter, and my own website. So SalmaJafri.com. My YouTube channel is SalmaJafri76. My Twitter handle is SalmaJafri. So that's S A L M A J A F R I.
0: Excellent. And we'll make sure to have all of those in today's show notes for anyone who wants to jump across check out Salma's YouTube which I thoroughly recommend you do and of course drop her a tweet let her know what you thought of today's interview Salma it's been a real pleasure I appreciate the time you've given us and the value you've given us today it's been fantastic to speak to you and uh, we'll check in with you again soon
2: thank you so much Phil and Paul both of you thank you a lot
0: have a great day thanks Salma Yes, so that was the interview with Salma, Jeffrey, Paul, plenty in there. I think that people can really appreciate and take action with, at least of not, Salma's upcycling.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know what least of not means, but definitely upcycling, you know, that's a cool new phrase instead of saying repurposing. So I did like that side of it. Um, And again, like, I suppose the the kind of one key difference uh, to it uh, is... Uh, well, she starts with a YouTube video. So that's that's quite unique.
0: Yeah, um, that's really. Most people start off with a, a kind of a blog a post, of Blog yeah. would be pretty she normal. she did say she kind of has a script that she yeah, released Yeah, to. so it kind of need that for bullet point, don't you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. What am I
1: going to talk about? What are the headings? So you gotta stay on point. Um, but then I mean, like, to, to, like, like, literally, like, she, she I mentioned six or seven platforms. It goes here, it goes there. You know, there were so many of them. I actually didn't. You know, I i can't even recall them all there was that many um so i need to go back and have a listen to that but having said that um very very much uh improves upon her content as she upcycles as well which is something that i picked up on so that's quite interesting
0: yeah i mean that was one thing we spoke about in the show and i know i picked up on it there but i just want to emphasize it again that salma took the time to look at her analytics from her youtube channel and realized that people were dropping off after two minutes and when she figured out what the first two minutes of her video were she made those changes, and now she's been able to increase the amount of time that our YouTube viewers are staying on her show. In fact, it's o- it's over double now that they're hanging on for, and that's had a vast improvement for her. And it's just about recognizing where your customers are coming in, what they're consuming, and where they're leaving, and keeping an eye on that, because blindly creating content won't do you any good. You need to monitor, test, and, and strategize about what you can do to better the experience for them and obviously that will have knock-on effects for you and your business
1: I may look yeah that's it we are we say that you should be testing and, and checking everything um and look she got a 50 is you know actually 100 to 120 percent increase uh, in the length of time people were spending watching her videos so come here, that, that kind of goes without saying um if we look at then one thing which really stood out, I mean, I know we spoke recently with Rosella Lafler- Fever about... Um... You know syndicating your content onto the likes of huffington posts uh and other platforms um but really uh what was quite interesting and rather unprompted uh was the fact that you know Salma was able to to dig into that quite deep and actually outline the wins that she's had and she you know she's getting a lot more people on her subscribing to her youtube videos more people on her list more people onto her site and also people recognizing her across social platforms from being on entrepreneur.com being on the huffington post and, and some of the other platforms you mentioned so syndication and not being afraid to syndicate your content really was a key takeaway that i I took from this
0: yeah absolutely it really is and that's something that we've said paul that was popped up in the last couple of shows that we've been doing and for anyone who missed out on the interview with rosella you can check that out at content.academy forward slash episode 27 yeah. But I mean,
1: it really good. Just uh, it really breaks it down step by step what you have to do. uh But sorry, please continue, Phil.
0: Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. The, the interview with Rosella it breaks it down step by step, and this is a further endorsement from Salma about the good it can do. So this is kind of if you follow the step by step from Rosella, now you can see the benefits that Salma's given you and what it's done for her and her business, um, which is fantastic. I just want to pick up on one other thing that I have a quote written down here from um, Salma that I really liked, and it was promotion is equal to. Engagement engagement so normally when we speak to our guests paul you'll obviously know this better than everyone we talk about the promotion strategy and often we get the usual twitter facebook instagram you know wherever they might go and they put their content out there they take the time to engage which is fantastic well Samuel goes to the platforms that our content's been syndicated on as well and replies to every comment no matter what platform it's on her website somebody else's youtube anywhere she will find her content hunt it down and answer those questions and it really is paying dividends for so just a bit of advice to everyone out there that just because you're publishing on twitter and facebook and instagram and snapchat and pinterest and wherever you are doesn't mean your job is done there is always something else you could be doing if you have the time of course but just another way maybe to look at your promotion strategy from a different angle
1: Absolutely, and um, I suppose the the final piece of advice, really get over yourself. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I quite like that. You know, let's face it, um, some people are very guilty of taking themselves a little bit too serious. Uh, And, you know, you have to just, you know, maybe put that to a side and just put yourself out there which uh it's it's a nice piece of advice because it's not often something that gets mentioned too much um and obviously if you don't get over yourself you might not even get started and what a shame that'd be
0: paul i think we will wrap it up there folks thank you very much for joining us once again of course if you want to get any of today's show notes you can head over to content.academy forward slash episode 31 and for all of today's show notes but until next time folks have a great day, Paul. I hope your sunburn heals and you're in better form the next time we get behind the mics.
1: Yeah, so do I. I'm going off to, to shed my skin. So um, yeah, let me just slither away here.
0: <laughs> Have a
1: great day, folks.